If I remember correctly, back to my youth, once they handed out the Play-Doh, I didn't hear anything else was said. <laughs> Let us pray. On this day of all days, O God, help us dwell in your mystery and trust in your truth. Help us to accept that there are some things we cannot fully comprehend, no matter how sharp our minds or how eager our hearts. Teach us to hear that as good news, revealing the extent of your resurrecting grace and unstoppable love. Call us to follow you once more and lead us where you would have us to go. Amen. Today's scripture lesson uh, comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Well, he's been raised. He's not here. Look, there's the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. And there you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In Dayton, Tennessee, a brick bungalow has stood almost untouched since the middle of 2019. It's the home once shared by Dan and Rachel Held Evans. They had bought and barely begun to renovate a farmhouse when Rachel got sick. Her husband took her to the hospital where she died several weeks later at the age of 37. Now, in case you aren't familiar with Rachel Held Evans, she was a theologian and a New York Times best-selling author, and she was perhaps most well-known for coming to faith in a deeply evangelical community and then evolving into one of the most thoughtfully outspoken voices advocating for the role of women in the church and the full acceptance of LGBTQIA folks in the church. She has been referred to as a modern-day C.S. Lewis, and then the Martin Luther of her time. That old house, though, is now just a preserved memory, especially her basement office. Her husband couldn't bring himself to dismantle it, not quite yet. 
So inside, there are books scattered everywhere, and above her desk is a large cork board that is filled with index cards. On each card, she wrote one piece of advice to herself to keep in mind while she was writing. She often claimed that the most practical card was the one that read, the sentence you are looking for will not be found in the refrigerator. The most important card, she said, was the one that read, tell the truth. And the truth is, if you have come here this morning hoping that I will explain all of this resurrection business to you, I am going to let you down because I can't explain it. The mechanics of what happened between Jesus being laid in the tomb and the women finding an empty tomb, the logistics of how Easter becomes Easter, I don't have a clue. The truth is, there are some things we know with our heads, and there are other things we can only know with our hearts. I cannot explain the facts of the resurrection to you because it does not belong to the realm of history. It is far too big for that. It belongs to the realm of faith. You cannot prove the resurrection. You can only trust it. And it might be that Mark, of all the Gospels, it might be that Mark understood that a bit better than the others. You see, Mark stops with what he knows for certain, that the women were afraid and they said nothing to anyone. The other three Gospels, they keep going. They continue long past Easter morning. But Mark is the shortest Gospel and there's a good reason for it. He is absolutely sparing with his words. If it does not need to be said, He does not bother saying it. He doesn't spend a single word telling us about Jesus' birth. And that's not because he doesn't think it happened. He knows it happened. He just puts his energy behind what he believes to be completely essential. And so he tells us that the tomb was empty and the women were afraid. That is the truth of this day, according to Mark. And it might be all we need. Mary Magdalene and Mary and Salome, they had just watched Jesus. They had just watched the man who promised them a new kind of life, who showed them glimpses of what that new life could look like. They had just watched Jesus, the man who not only said he was closer to God than anyone else had ever been, he lived like it was true. And they had just watched him die tortured on a cross and laid in a tomb. They watched him. They knew that he was completely and heartbreakingly dead. Anne Weems is the daughter of a Presbyterian preacher. Despite that, she is herself a beautiful poet who knows something of how those women felt. 
1982, her son Todd died less than an hour after his 21st birthday. And in describing his death, she wrote, all the stars fell right out of my sky. Because that is what death does to us. It knocks the light right out of our lives and it leaves us in the dark where we are unable to see any semblance of hope. It tears us apart and it makes mockery of our tears. And yet, somehow at the same time, it is such a common experience, it is such a universal experience that to some extent, we know what to do. At first, that's why the women walk towards the grave with spices in hand. They are overcome with grief and sorrow, but they know the right thing to do. So they go to take care of Jesus' body. They go to wash him and anoint him and honor him one last time. They knew what to expect. They had done this before for others, and that is why they had a very practical question. Who is going to roll the stone away? How will they get in? Of course, when they arrive, they look up and see that the stone is rolled back, and someone dressed in white says, do not be afraid. Jesus, the one who was crucified, the man says, he has been raised up. He is not here. And so go and tell the others that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. He will see you there. And you know this by now. The women go, but as they go, they say nothing to anyone because they are afraid. That is how Mark completes his gospel account with fear as the final word. Now, almost any Bible you pick up, including every single one in front of you right now, you will find two additional endings to the gospel of Mark. There is a shorter ending and a longer ending, but an overwhelming majority of biblical scholars are all in agreement that both of those endings were added on to the original gospel by some of our earliest Christian siblings who, having good sense about them, knew that you and I would much prefer a side of happily ever after with our Easter brunch. Brian Blunt is one of the foremost scholars of this gospel. He says the early church, well, they added some good to what Mark painted as rather ambiguous news. You see, it seems that the church gives us what we want, the early church. They give us reason to shout joyfully that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. But Mark, Mark just gives us what we need. Mark gives us a gift in the shape of a reminder that the resurrection doesn't mean that fear just magically disappears. It doesn't make fear disappear or sadness or doubt or anything else. And I know that might not sound like good news yet, but it is the truth. 
And we are telling the truth today. And this is also the truth. Feeling that fear or anything else that you might perceive to be negative or unfaithful, feeling any of that does not mean that resurrection has passed you by. On the contrary, it could mean that you are right in the middle of resurrection right now. You just don't know it yet. I've mentioned this before. The thing about the Bible and how many times it tells us not to be afraid, in the midst of all of that, never once does the Bible say there's nothing to be afraid of. Because the Bible and Mark and Jesus himself, they all know there is plenty to be afraid of. As best I can understand it, those exhortations are really to mean something like this. It's okay to be afraid. You have every reason in the world to be afraid. But, and this is the important part here, don't let fear define you. Don't let fear direct your days. Don't let fear hold you back from being the person God made you to be and doing the work God made you to do. But all of that would be a lot to write out hundreds of times. So I think that's why we just get, don't be afraid. But don't be afraid. It really means... Don't let fear win. And the reason that the angels and Jesus can say this time and time again is that they know something the way that only God can know something. And that's that while our fear is real and our fear is strong, the love of God is always stronger still. The truth is, Fear can't hold a candle to God's love. Fear does its best to leave us in the dark, but God's love puts every star back in the sky. The love of God quiets whatever fear resides in our hearts, and the love of God shouts louder than whatever lies fear whispers in our ears. The love of God stomps down death, and the love of God raises up everything and everyone to new life. And that is why that man dressed in white doesn't stop there. He says, do not be afraid. He is not dead. He has been raised and he has gone ahead of you to Galilee and he will see you there. The literal last word of Mark's gospel in English and in Greek is fear. But the literal first word back in chapter one is beginning. And back in that chapter, that is when Jesus' ministry in Galilee begins. Go back to the beginning, we are told. 
Because Jesus is raised and he will meet you there and you will have a fresh start. In your life, it will never look the same again. Because you will hear his first words again, come and follow me. You can witness his first miracle again as he casts evil out of a man in Capernaum. You can lift your hand to her forehead again as Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law from her fever. Hold your breath again just for a moment as he rebukes government and religious officials. Listen again as he teaches no one puts new wine in old wineskins. Learn again about how human need always comes first. Relax again as he calms every storm on the lake and in your life. Rub your eyes again, but this time not with disbelief. Rub them with expectation as he brings to life a little girl and then his friend Lazarus. Taste the bread again as he feeds 5,000. Gasp with relief again when he rescues you every single time you are in over your head. Rest in his arms again as he spreads them wide and says, let the children come to me because my kingdom is theirs. Stand tall again as he takes away every fear or anxiety or insecurity that has ever immobilized you. And stare again as he flips over the tables in the temple, demonstrating that sometimes anger has its place in a life of faith. But then weep again as you watch him refuse to return violence for violence. Trust him again when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And join him again when he stands up for the poor and the lowly, the widow and the orphan, the forgotten and the forsaken. Hear him again when he says, keep awake. My father is coming back. Pay attention Smell the oil again as extravagant amounts are poured on his feet. Sit at the table again, pass the bread and the wine again. And every time that fear takes hold of you, every single time that fear shows up with so much baggage, you know it's planning to stay a while. Every time it feels like fear is winning the battle for your life. Listen to the angel and go back to Galilee. Hear again everything that Jesus said and did, but hear it and see it with eyes and ears that know resurrection. Because that is why he was raised, so that we could trust that his life, well, it was showing us what ours could look like. And his risen life assures us that that wasn't true just way back when. It is still true now. Fear may be the last word in Mark's gospel, but it is not the lasting word. The lasting word of God is always love. It was love that created the stars in the sky. And when, as Anne Weems puts it, when the stars fall out of your sky, it is God's own resurrected love that will raise them back up again, one at a time, 
until the night is as bright as the day. And for what it's worth, those women, the women who ran away afraid and said nothing to no one, well, the truth is, they went back to Galilee. And the truth is, they found their courage and they found their voices there and they told everyone everything. Because if they hadn't, well, we'd be telling a very different story today. But here we are, and we are proclaiming words that are truer than any other words have ever been. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.